Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. A crisis can happen anywhere at any time, and fairs are not excluded from this. These can be anything from canceled concerts, severe weather, activists, biosecurity issues, ride malfunctions, or shootings, and much more. While the fair season may not kick off until summer, fair boards all across the state are working hard to prepare for their fair, and these are some of the conversations that they're having. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Alicia Schultz, CFE from the Ohio State Fair, has experienced a major crisis firsthand. She provides insight into recognizing crisis and how to handle it once it occurs. Fairs are not unlike any other kind of event or festival or... You know, even anything, a movie theater. I mean, crises can happen absolutely anywhere. And so as fair boards think about different types of crises, there's a couple types of criteria they should be thinking about. You know, what kind of impact could a crisis have on human life, on animal life, on their organization and their community and to their facility? And as you look at different types of crises, what things have a high likelihood in all of those scenarios? Or what are some other things we've seen happen at fairs, festivals, and similar organizations like, you know, obviously biosecurity concerns are always at the forefront of fairs. Concert cancellations, unfortunately, can happen. Severe weather, you know, facility closures, power outages, issues with utilities, injuries. There's a large number of things that could happen. And while we always want to hope for the best, it's important to always prepare for the worst. Um, Uh, not only from a risk management and emergency planning standpoint, but also from a communication standpoint to think about how you will communicate with your patrons, your fairgoers, your community members, and the media if something were to happen on your grounds. What are key steps that these people can take when it comes to planning for a potential crisis? First, there's that step of like the crisis evaluation and, and figuring out what are these potential scenarios that could happen. But I also think it's important to come up with a crisis communications plan, which doesn't need to be a super extensive document. I mean, it can be, but just thinking about what it is that you would need to plan for, for your fair and how you would communicate. So thinking about internally, how you would communicate with your staff and volunteers. If something happens, people are going to ask questions of the first person they see at the front gate or whoever answers the phone. And what are the most frequent questions that people are being asked? And how can you internally make sure that they have all of the answers to those questions. But from the public standpoint, kind of put yourself in the shoes of an exhibitor or a fair goer. If you were exhibiting at a fair and something happened, how would you get information? Where would you turn to find information? When would you want to hear that? And we know that people really want to be communicated to very quickly, very concisely, very accurately. And so determining the steps that you need to take as a fair to put those procedures in place, whether that's having text message alerts or email systems or PA announcements or social media posts and getting everything together so that you have those plans, you have your passwords, you have your files so that if something happens, every minute counts and you can really communicate quickly. And with those plans, can you talk about what's all included, like the distribution and making sure that it's streamlined process of everybody knowing and the importance of that? Many fair boards are volunteer driven and at a lot of these fairs, people wear 
many hats, but they're the only person who wears one particular hat. And if that's the case, then there's probably one person who's usually responsible for posting to social media and for doing these things. But there could be a scenario where that person could be impacted by the crisis, or they may not be able to get to the grounds. They may not have power or access to their files. And, you know, in addition to, of course, making sure you've always got backup chargers and laptops and files that you can access, things happen. And so in addition to developing that plan, the next most important step is really distributing that to all of the members of your fair board, anyone you would be turning to if you have interns or junior fair board members or people who would help you in responding to a crisis or communicating. So they have those instructions, they know what to do, and they know what to say. And so I think really distributing that to anyone who's necessary. And and in addition to distributing the crisis communications plan, I think it's also really important to plan and have meetings with local stakeholders and individuals that you work with. So if you're working with a local police department or sheriff's office or a local fire department, or you have a third party security company or other partner organizations like your carnivals or, you know, extension offices that are key stakeholders in your organization, that you all come together and talk about these different potential risks and make sure everyone has each other's contact information. I can't say enough about that, that, you know, you might know where you can find someone on grounds, but do you actually have their phone number to be able to call or text them in the case of an emergency? And so really just getting everyone together to not only have the plan, but to talk about the plan, to get face to face, to make sure they know how to communicate when something happens really quickly is a very important step. We can always prepare, but there's always going to be something that throws us through a loop or something that we're not expecting. Can you touch on what are key steps for then when that crisis really does happen? I know you talk about the golden hour versus the golden now. So, you know, it used to be called the golden hour that you've got about 60 minutes to be able to communicate and get the message out. But really, that's not the case anymore. It is the golden now. Everyone is going to be talking and turning and looking to social media for answers on what's going on. And they're going to be looking for you as the fair for those answers if there's a scenario going on at your fair. And you can't prepare for everything. You don't know everything that's always going to happen. But having those plans in place and resources so you've got your social media passwords and you know how you're going to communicate. If that's that you've got a PA announcement system and the microphone is in the sheet barn office and, you know, so-and-so has the key to get in the sheet barn office, that you know all of that information so that you can communicate quickly, even though we don't necessarily know what you're going to be talking about. But also acknowledging the fact that people might be looking for answers even though you don't have those answers yet. And so setting the tone to say XYZ is happening. We're in the process of investigating. We're going to share more information. Check Facebook for more information. Let people know where they can go to get that continued source of information and make it your fair that you are the one who's communicating directly with your people. Now, of course, you're also going to need to communicate with the media, with other stakeholders, with the public, but anymore when things happen, it seems like everyone turns to social media to get the quick answers on what's going on and making sure that you are there and you're providing the latest information, whatever that may be, is really important. When it comes to first, you're handling that immediate crisis that is happening right then. And then, like you mentioned, you are stepping towards now I need to respond to the media and get this out there. When it comes to that, what are key ways to prepare a statement and to streamline that across all platforms and anybody that could potentially be asked those hard questions? So a couple of things on preparing statements. Again, I mentioned that a lot of people turn to Twitter and social media. And, you know, as we look at things like Twitter, there's a character limit of 280 characters. So not only is it that you'd want to say your message within there, but also people want information very 
quickly, very concisely. And so there's an old rule, the 2793 rule, that it should be no more than 27 words, set in nine seconds with three different concepts. And so if you can really quickly anticipate and answer questions and share that message and come up with that streamlined statement, that would be helpful. So that if people want to know, is your fair open? Are there refunds available? Where can I find more information? You're addressing all of that very concisely and very quickly. And I think another important thing is to keep your eye out on other things that are going on in the world and on social media, because you'll see some really great examples of corporations who communicate very effectively and have similar templates for maybe it's a flight cancellation and they've handled it very well that you can research and find out how they communicated and start your own template version that you can fill in with important information as you need to for your fear. Once this crisis has passed, you've taken all the precautionary measures, taken all the steps needed. It doesn't necessarily end there. A month from now, a year from now, or whatever that timeline is, there are still things to think about when it comes to that past crisis. Can you touch on what that looks like? After a crisis, whatever that area may be, certainly everything's going to be under scrutiny related to that at your fair or at your festival or in your community. And even really, if it's something that happened at a neighboring event or a neighboring county, people are going to have questions and want answers and they're going to continue to really scrutinize what's going on. And so know that that's coming, but also be aware that it's an opportunity for you to be transparent and share a lot of proactive, helpful information that answers those questions. If people want to talk about a particular topic and you have your county fair expert who's willing to um, alleviate concerns that individuals have, that will really go a long way. You have been through big crisis at the Ohio State Fair. What are key things that helped you to get through that and now to make the Ohio State Fair what it is today now post that crisis? I think it's really important always to know that every experience that you have in life is a learning experience. And so knowing that there are experiences that we go through as fairs where, you know, it might be that we try out a free stage and it didn't go so well, that we can learn from that and make changes moving forward. And whether it's safety procedures that need to be looked at from a regulatory standpoint that impact our fairs and festivals and change them for the better, there's always things that we can learn and improve upon. And I think going into any of these scenarios with a mindset of things can be better on the other side helps you continue to grow and improve and make our fairs the best that they can possibly be to celebrate agriculture, to celebrate our communities and continue to bring people together in the best possible way. That was Alicia Schultz, CFE from the Ohio State Fair. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.